Thank you for joining us for this episode of Journey Now, produced by Journey Church in Brentwood, Tennessee. For more information on Journey Church and our gatherings, visit journeytn.com. Hey, good morning. Good morning. (laughs) Good morning. Welcome to another version of the Journey Now podcast. I'm here with some of my favorite people. Mike Erie's joining us today. Hello. Alyssa McNally is joining us. Hello. And Susie Lind. Hi. And the one that is absent is Tim Timmons. We miss him. And he's suffering for Jesus somewhere. We know. And we miss him. <laughs> um, we are in the process of, of, of having conversations around what we've, we've been describing as what is the identity of the church. And we've been doing a little bit of work on that on Sundays. And this last Sunday, uh, Susie spoke on the Bride of Christ. Can you give us like a 30-second overview of mm-hmm. of a little bit of what you talked about on Sunday so that we have a launching point to go from there, please? Yeah. The Bible has several references in it that lead us to um, an analogy that God uses with about his relationship with us and him. And in the New Testament in particular, the church is referred to as the bride. Jesus is the bridegroom. And um, there's all kinds of um, things about that in there. Um, the, on Sunday, what I really wanted to get down to is that though we are called to be a bride at the, in a way that comes with all the beauty and relationship, covenantal relationship that that carries with it um, in our relationship with God, we often um, act more like a bridezilla, (laughs) where if you've ever been a part of a wedding where um, the bride has lost her ever-loving mind and um, has gotten completely wrapped up in herself and her desires and the behaviors of, of the guests and wedding party and the preparation and everything we we have become more like that than um you know walking about this earth as um as though our identity is interdependently wrapped up in jesus's and um in a way that that is confident that we are the beloved of christ and that our ways that we interact with people are coming out of that place that's what I feel like we're missing right now as a culture. And so that's kind of the direction we went. Yeah. And so with that, and, and part of what we've been trying to accomplish as as the teachers of journey and different things is to help people deconstruct some of their own mm-hmm. um, ideas of what these things are and to create an environment where which that is safe, a create an environment in which uh, conversation can be had and questions can be asked and and um, oftentimes there's not a safe place for that to happen. And so with that, um, part of what's happened over the years in the church is that culture has invaded the, the idea of what church is. So American culture has invaded um, this idea of this is how we mm-hmm. define ourselves. Yeah. And we've seen it in spades over the last couple of years come out in ways like real sideways. But with that also is then the question I'm going to ask Mike is when you do your study, Mike's our teaching pastor, so I'm just going to kind of poke at him for a moment. Poke. Um, <laughs> totally pokeable. So when you do your study, um, what are you looking 
to find when you when you're preparing your message what are you looking to find to communicate to people what do you what is the like if you were to go down to that foundation and say okay this is what i want people to know right so um there's a process we engage in that we we all carry assumptions into a text and that is kind of a hermeneutical posture um, hermeneutics is just the way we approach the Bible, the assumptions we carry into interpretation. Exegesis is the place where we excavate. And what we're digging for is how the original audience would have heard right. these words. And what, what, were, what, what populated their imaginations with bride and bridegroom language in Jewish culture and then in ancient Near Eastern culture where both it's used both places. Mm-hmm. And um, and what, what we don't want to do is something called eisegesis, which is just reading, oh, it says bride, so that must mean in English what 21st century America defines bride and bridegroom and marriage as. Yeah. And so we're, we are, we're constantly having to resist that temptation by going to the text. And the, the best way to honor the Bible is to have it speak for itself, not to right. not to carry um, predetermined interpretations into it, but to sit and say, and, and we have so many ways of helping us posture ourselves this way. But to sit and say, okay, how would the original hearers hear mm-hmm. this analogy yeah. that God was using over and over and over again? Yeah, and then what does that mean to us then? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And then, and and if the 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 biggest mistake I think we make is we rush to the what does it mean to me um, right because uh, again we're very easily then populating our imaginations with 21st century American culture right mm-hmm. where whereas if we bathe in a bit of okay this is how they would have heard it yeah. then whatever meaning there is extended for us has to be within the range of meaning that was already set by. Mm-hmm how the original hearers would have understood the text. Right. So yes, So that's the hard work that we all do when we teach. Right. And so do we have to then, in one respect, and this is where I'm going to kind of throw Alyssa under the, into the fray. Ooh, not we're under the, the bus. Uh, I was we're under the, the fray. fray. Into the fray. Into the fray, into the fire. Mm. Into the game, into the conversation. Is So do we have to exegete our culture to some degree to be able to speak to it? Do we have to understand and go, okay, this is, this is in essence how it's heard, or this is how our culture experiences these things in order to speak to it? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously words uh, change a lot. Mm. Even in the English language, they change. Um, so even sometimes, like, uh, I, I'm an English major, and so mm. they made us take this class Ooh. called... It was very. It was honestly the hardest class I've ever taken. I thought I was going to fail it, but I didn't. Got to be. But it was the history of the English language, and we just talked about how words change. Yeah. Um, like wait. rad. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly what we talked Stoked. about in class. So that, that yeah. hasn't changed. Oh, okay. It's still rad. Okay. okay. Um. Maybe it's fallen out of use. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go that's ahead. also um, a possibility. So, <laughs> I mean, words change. They change in our own language. They. They adapt and they change. Of like to Caesar. Culture. Like Caesar. Went now from emperor, dressing. now a salad. Yes. Yeah. I'm, okay. Perfect <laughs> example. And a sports book. Oh, oh, yes. Yeah. There you go. Did you get that gambling reference? Okay. So, uh, moving on. Moving on. Uh, to answer your question, yes, I think that it does. I also think that 
there's some to to some degree when you read any kind of literature or that's just the work that has to be done if it's an ancient text you have to understand that the words don't mean the same things anymore because language always changes Mm. right so even from when scripture was translated the first time into the english language the english language has already changed so much sure and we have new um new translations of the bible since then obviously um but for some reason they're still grossly um inadequate but that's just my two cents (laughs) i (laughs) i think that we they try yeah they do they do and uh but i do think that in order for us to have healthy conversations about the text that cultural mm-hmm. understanding the middle eastern culture the um the the history that needs to be um and you just can't take it you can't take the words out and allow them to mean what they mean in our that's culture right today. yeah right. Yes. right and as a marketer <gasps> that's me yeah so when you are when you're determining how to market uh-huh. how do you how do you then use words and um, how do you exegete the culture around you? What do you do? What do I like do? we talked about how we exegete an ancient text. Mm-hmm. You have to exegete the culture in a way to communicate to it mm-hmm. so that it, it matters or it's relevant. Because mm-hmm. a lot of what you do is on social media. Yeah. And I mean, I speak to the way that we craft brands and the way that we talk about products and ideas will change according to our target market. So... I'm not going to use the same words when I'm talking to a 10-year-old or an 18-year-old as I am to a 50-year-old uh, because their understanding of language is different. Um, the things that they yeah, it's value. Rad. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, if I want Mike to buy something, I'm going to call it rat. Yeah. Yeah, because I know that's like your That's word. my word, right? Mm-hmm. I'm stoked. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, language is important. It matters in the way that we communicate with people because everybody hears something different when they hear the same words mm-hmm. yeah it's the and beauty of humanity and and the and the struggle mm-hmm. because they don't hear necessarily what you're trying to communicate right and so and so we step into this conversation around this idea of a bride mm-hmm. and culturally we've defined a bride culturally in the united states and and that is it, it's been shaped by multimedia it's been shaped by television it's been shaped by um everybody's been to a wedding Mm-hmm. Not maybe not. I've done. Well, it's also been like highly monetized, right? Like there's a, <laughs> well, and not a to level of like yeah. we've created an industry in America of what the wedding can be, and they realize if you can get the women to think that they need all of these things, they're going to get it, and so we can make more money off of it. Mm. I mean, the amount of money that is in the wedding industry in the United States is disgusting. It's insane. Yeah. Well, and then you throw in, you know, there's a lot of people who have experienced divorce mm-hmm. and right. um, pa- a lot of pain around marriage mm-hmm. and people who don't want to get married don't think they need to get married. I mean, that's increasing yeah. in right. number as well. And so you've got this analogy that is being used that you really have to unpack because mm-hmm. because there's assumptions. Yeah. Everybody hears something Everybody different an assumption. and culturally it's distorted compared to what it was yeah, and I would also say it's very it's it's a very feminized obviously. I mean it was <laughs> it's a feminine word. Yeah. You know, and and even even in the ancient language, the 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 church is feminine in nature. Yeah. And so 
to get it to she. speak to yeah she mm-hmm. which I love but to get it to speak to the whole like we we still are very um you know so she so you even you said it in on Sunday morning turn to some of the dudes in the room yeah and say you're the bride of Christ <laughs> yes because I've yet to see a men's retreat or men's Bible study on the bride of Christ <laughs> You know why? Why haven't we seen? I'm gonna let you answer no, that. No, I. Let, <laughs> I or Mike. I'm gonna let Mike answer that. Why do you think? Why do you think that that's not part of the vernacular for American male Christians? Well, I think uh, most of American Christianity just reflects the patriarchy of the first century, and so we don't. We're not aware, and our translations don't reflect all the feminine imagery. I mean, Paul, when he speaks, when you go to pastor's conferences run by men, you would never recognize Paul, because Paul is using nursing mother images, or mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like a woman in labor giving birth to this church, like, or I'm weeping over this, or Jesus weeping over the city of Jerusalem like a mother hen. Yeah. Um, yeah. You have all of these images that... that would bring to mind the fierce protective love of a mother, but we don't recognize that for for anything and have in fact said, well, the church has been feminized and that's the problem. And so to to me, I mean, the the problems are legion about why we don't use this image, but it, it basically for me boils down to uh, the fact that we're not reading the text rightly because mm. the text is full mm-hmm. of feminine imagery for pastor for pastors for I mean that Paul is using this yeah. and um, and so the uh, the reason is you know we which think... is so funny because and this is like a total side note tangent yeah. which yeah. is so funny because historically the there's been a lot of criticism of Paul that he doesn't like women he and and yeah. yet Paul is actually the it's most empowering. Man totally. of women that there is yeah. in the whole Bible. I mean, yeah. it's just other than Jesus, but yeah. besides Jesus, okay. yeah. But I mean, but I mean, like, I mean, yeah. there's just so oh. much there that you know, Paul really like. You yeah. know, he 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 labored side by side with women in a beautiful way. Yep. So anyway, that's so that's not Sorry. actually a sidelight to this conversation. <laughs> I don't even think it's a tangent. I think it's an important part of the conversations. I just was wondering if you could repeat something that you said about the church being feminine. Can you say that again? Oh, there's a whole strand of literature that decries the feminization of the church. Mm. That that even though the majority of clergy are male, the majority of participants in the mm-hmm. church are female. Mm-hmm. And if you look at our worship music or our sermon topics, they're mostly yeah. oriented towards women. So, and we've pushed men out is the the claim that they make well which is why the 90s gave rise to promise keepers keepers and but even wild at heart the john eldridge book Mm -hmm. the idea that there's a masculine soul that's being suffocated Mm -hmm. and do i think that's possible in church community sure i mean if, if what you're selling to men and women is the exciting role that you could play as an usher in the church that is suffocating. That's literally the only vision you give of human beings mm-hmm. is to serve in the in the institution. I mean, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So there's a point that's being made that I think is legitimate, but it's construed along gender lines, and I think that's where we have you know lost the lost the plot entirely. 
So that that's the strand of yeah, literature I was referring to. That. Yeah. Yeah, which which is funny, because yeah. then you then you say, well, I mean, if we had more women in leadership, would there have been so much sexual abuse, uh, and so many men that have gone rampant in their narcissism to blow up their churches, their marriages, and themselves? If we had more women in the church, would the church actually be a better? reflection of both the masculine and feminine sides of God rather than, because I, I think, I mean, I think there's so much evidence that says that the way we have led in church has led, has given rise to almost nothing but carnage. Mm-hmm. And a central feature of that has been the exclusion of women from leadership in the face of Paul and in the face of Jesus. So mm-hmm. back to your original, you know, thought, why don't we talk about Bride of Christ and why is it a meaningful image to us? Yeah. Well, it's female. And female is weak. Female is mm-hmm. bad. Yeah, that, female is, that's, that's how why. you insult yeah. a guy, Yeah, is by calling him feminine. And so the, yeah. Yeah, the leaders yeah. of the church in the American church are men, historically. Yeah. yeah. So just a yeah. really beautiful paradox there. Absolutely I, it is. I mean, it's just... To me, all I see is insecurity in the American church and, and this desire for security through taking control, not allowing um, other things to threaten the control of men, men having control over the institution and over women and over everything they can get their hands on. So in reality, I just see a lot of insecure um, tendencies of the men leading the church who just want control. And they're trying to make sure they have all the right answers. They have all of the money that they have, um, what it takes to create their own reality. So things aren't scary or um, outside of and, their control. And to be fair, there's been, I mean, I can think of a few women who have had power and control in the church that have taken it in the wrong direction Exactly. Well. I think part of the issue is that there's power and control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so why, why are we allowing people to have so much power and control? Right, and, and yes, yes. But the, but the bride image was not feminine. That's the point. The, yeah. mm-hmm. the bride and bridegroom image is about covenant. It's not about male and female. And it's not bridal-centric. Well, that's, that's a huge point. But let's, is... let's sit on, first of all, when we hear bride, we make it a, a feminine image. Yes. Right. And it's not. not. It's a marital image. Mm-hmm. And that speaks to yes. the ancient mind of fidelity and covenant. And mm-hmm. um, regardless of presentability or lovability, um, just utter and ruthless commitment mm-hmm. to another. So that's the point of the image. The point isn't for us to, you know, talk along gender roles or lines or even derive anything about gender from or that picture. Or even separate the bride from the bridegroom. Totally. Separate the totally. church from God. You can't. It's one mm-hmm. flesh. That's mm-hmm. the point. Yeah. When Paul says we are the body of mm-hmm. Christ, it is another way of him saying we are the bride of Christ. We are mm-hmm. one flesh with Christ. Mm-hmm. That's the point. His incarnation continues through his right. spirit uh, in his people. And so it's a powerful, powerful image. And so rendering it, you know, to bride language just doesn't do it justice, which is Kevin's original point, is that we just hear bride and go, and 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 you were just saying the modern wedding is totally bride-centric and it's totally narcissistic and it's unbelievably wasteful. Um and it's all fair. It's fair, I mean, it is it's fairy tale, not mm-hmm. gospel. Mm-hmm. And um and so there is a point. And it's an event. Yes, it's a it, one-time thing. Yes. It turns into this event. Yeah, that's that's really good. And 
and we've adopted it as the church. Alyssa. I think the other thing that comes mm. to mind as you say that is it's every human being. Come on. No matter female, male, mm-hmm. non-binary. They, we all want what you just described. We all want to be loved. We want to be pursued. We want to be you know, unconditionally pursued no matter how much we've messed up, no matter how much we've made mistakes, like our desire, our core, at this what we're seeking for. We That's are right. looking for someone to pursue us. Mm-hmm. like In my own, ugliness. Yes, in our ugliness. And for people to just say like, to, for someone, anyone to say, like, I love you. And, in, mm-hmm. in our insecurities. You, t- you said that earlier. It's yeah. in our insecurity. And that's where the church sometimes, its insecurities is, are overcome, not by the pursuit and marriage with, with the bridegroom, but by our own strength. Mm-hmm. That's therein lies. And that just reinforces the insecurity. Right. Because am I ever really strong enough? Yeah. And so instead of teaching people that that is who God is, Right. We've just taught people that we have. We have to be yeah. that way. We have to be presentable. And it's killing people. Yeah. And then people don't people don't want to participate because they don't think they're they're qualified or totally. good or they want to or they want to participate because they do. Yeah. Think or they're they qualified. They are shitty. <laughs> right. You know? Right. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. It just doesn't work. But it maps really well in the sense of mm-hmm. how do people see? So people who are committed to the church often live in that insecurity. Like in an insecure marriage where you're not sure if you're loved, so you're always acting, you're always performing, mm-hmm. you've always got to, you've always got to have tallies of all your successes in ministry, you know, to feel good about. Yes, God's moving instead of mm-hmm. just resting mm-hmm. in His favor. Um, and I then, mean, isn't that just possible? No, what do you just it. Said that is the American culture, right? Like totally. what you just described is like we have all of our tallies. Yeah, and resumes, like, CVs. Yes, yes, that is the American culture that you just described. Absolutely. And it's as true in pastoral ministry and church life as it is true anywhere else, if not exactly. more so. Yeah. It's engulfed the culture of the church. Yeah. 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 I we want can... you to finish your statement, but I just wanted to no, point that no, out. Inter- really, no, interrupt That away. is a total, like, cultural norm. Yes. Which the bride and bridegroom image, if properly understood, undercuts. Right. There is rest in, in Yahweh's care mm-hmm. and pursuit yeah and yet our culture tells us that this is where this is the struggle this is where watching yes to the dress with my wife i want to just <laughs> i want to just scream at the tv because what they want so desperately is that their bridegroom looks on them and says oh you look magnificent you are the the bride of my dreams and so they want to be dressed up in such a way that they are the centerpiece and they are seen they are seen mm-hmm. They're seen beautiful. They're seen in a way that makes them feel loved. And, and yet, if we understand bride correctly from a, a, a biblical That's right. first century, none of the, what we're wearing. The bride's irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> the whole thing was about the bridegroom. Right. The bridegroom sacrificed. Right. The bridegroom yeah. pursued. The yep. bridegroom, the, it was all about the bride, right. bridegroom. Totally. You're worthy by just existing. Yes. Yes. And you yes. take that identity. Yeah. You come into a new family. I mean, the, yeah. Im- the image speaks. Yep. Mm. But you've got to do the hard work on both sides, right? Mm-hmm. The exegeting the culture and exegeting the first century yep. to go, oh, oh this is really yeah. one of the most profound images. Yes. And it's why it is so confused. Because oh, they couldn't goodness. be more polar. Yeah. Different. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
It's so, good stuff. As we put a bow on this, anything you want to straighten out that we messed up about your sermon on Sunday? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing at all. If you get a chance, if you're listening to this, it, Susie's message is worth your time. A uh, good 30, 35 minute uh, discourse on the Bride of Christ. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks for being with us out there listening. And uh, we hope you have a great week. And uh, go and be the bride. If you enjoyed today's episode, we would love it if you would share a screenshot of this episode to your Instagram story and tag us at journey underscore TN. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting app.